As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Joined this evening by Jay Cross. Hello, Mark. And Joe Branton. Hello. Blimey, that's loud. No Matt Knight this evening. Who? He's actually dissolved like Alex Mack style into a puddle of stress. Mud. Oh. Just, yeah, he's, he's actually d- dissolved into the band Puddle of Mud. Yes. Right. Um, Great and band. that's why he uh, he can't be here. I saw Puddle of Mud once. I saw them in uh, that's the, a shame for the you. year 2002, um, which... Uh, some of our younger listeners it, may not remember that year. Um, we don't have young listeners. Do we not? No. no. Okay. This is a podcast. Oh, okay. It's young not pe- YouTube. No, podcast young- is... No. Young people no. love the podcast, mate. No, they don't. They do. They love it. Um, anyway, I saw Puddle of Mud in 2002 at the London Docklands Arena, which isn't there anymore. Um, and they were supporting Corn when I saw Corn on the Untouchables tour. Uh, Puddle of Mud, not so good. Corn, unsurprisingly. Corn, pretty good, which is uh, contrary to the, the footage that I saw of them playing Reading and Leeds last weekend. Not not very good it at just, all. It just wasn't... I mean, just no David Silviera. I mean... Who's David Silviera? It was he, the drummer in Corn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, coincidentally, earlier on, uh, I watched the video for "Revolving Door" by Crazy Town, which is, is I didn't know they had any other songs. They had another song. The lyrics go, and this may, you know, this this won't come into play with the, a quiz that we're doing later on, but we are doing a lyric-based quiz later. The lyrics to "Revolving Door" are: "Ladies come, ladies go through my revolving door. Some never come back, but most come back for more." And uh, the video is horrendous. And the reason I was thinking about it is because the guitar player was a PRS player. And I think he played SEs. And they made a big deal over the fact that he, uh, he they were like, he's a five-string guitarist. What? He's, he's a five-string guitarist. Right. He just didn't put the high E on because he just didn't need it. That, and that was like <laughs> part of the advertising campaign. It was rubbish, basically. The whole... That, Wait, who was advertised? PRS? Yeah. <laughs> but no, maybe it wasn't PRS. Maybe it was Schecter. It was someone. But what the guitar company was saying? Yeah, they were like, "Mate, listen, I tell you what, our guitars work with five strings as well." Yeah. And it, but it was it was just a normal guitar, just it didn't have the top E <laughs> string. It's rubbish. Yeah, so if you want a big nostalgia hit, go and check out Crazy Towns' I've Revolving been... Door. It's very bad. It would, did that have a sample as well? Because the big song Butterfly yeah, was was chi- a Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah. Sample. I think it might be a sample, but. 
Was the, that their gig? Did the they just... video is so garish and the lyrics are so hideously offensive right. that you won't, your brain won't even bother to try and work out what you're listening to. Right, okay. It is awful. Anyway, so that's uh, yeah, a little bit of homework for the, uh, for the listeners. Loads of stuff going on this week. Matt is not here. Like I said, he's devolved into a kind of puddle of stress. He was very stressed the last time I saw him. he's been running his, uh, his boss event, which we've talked about. I don't want to talk about it too much because we've talked about it a lot on the previous podcast. But Did it, we? Well, yeah, we've talked about it quite a bit. Um, okay. But uh, just to say that it is still running, if you want to head down to House of Vans in London... Um, the, it runs until this Sunday, I think. Yeah, uh, I think so too. The exhibition is very, very it's um, great. interesting. I think I actually saw a number of podcast listeners there and possibly chatted with them as well. You can't remember? No. Cannot remember. No. Um, loads of interesting stuff. The first ever boss pedal, which... Well, it's not even a pedal, really. It's like an acoustic preamp you stick onto your guitar. When it was called The Boss. The Boss, yeah. Um, and what else was cool? All of the Space Echoes, mm-hmm. one of which is Thank yours. you very much. The, they uh, couldn't have done it without me. The Indeed. synth guitar, that was pretty rad. Yeah, the well, there's a, there's a number of synth guitars. There's oh, the, I meant the original one, the 78 thing that we spoke about last week. Yeah, the GR and GS5. Yeah. Um, but there's also a G707, which is the weird one that's got the handle that runs the that whole length cool. of the neck. They had the bass version of that as well. The, the B- pedal boards the for those G7 look absolutely seven. brilliant. Yeah, they're, they're so wonderfully 80s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, loads of stuff on display. Uh, do every Boss Compact pedal as well in mm-hmm. chronological order. Yeah, it's great. I, I was, loved the museum side of it. Do you know what I was thinking? What, what they should have done, and I'm not sure the... Uh, the uh, logistics of this but imagine if that whole exhibition the exhibition is in a long hallway what if the pedals they'd just done one side by side and it ran the entire length of the exhibition like guiding you through that would have been cool maybe I'll tell Matt that I'll go yeah I, en- <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it it, Matt, it was okay it Matt it was okay but, but, you know. but I've got a couple of ideas on how you could have made it better I reckon I don't think he'd appreciate it. I don't think he'd appreciate much. it, I've got to be honest. Very much at all. But you played. How was the Saturday? Because I wasn't there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, well, on fr- Friday was good because it was like a private party thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and what, you were there. We shot some video. Uh, Apparently, go- I shot some video. Yes, you were involved, <laughs> no, no, from what I remember. I remember. Yeah. Um and yeah that was good um, but it was just yeah just a nice little kind of get together to, to, as for opening night but Saturday was the big gig Saturday was the big gig there was music on the Friday as well there was Zane Carney was headlining who I didn't he's just like a session guy right uh, he plays for Avril Lavigne and used to play for um, John Mayer your, your favourite musical act John Mayer oh, I've only recently realised that I detest John Mayer more than anything in the world in Let's, fact I'm doing I'm going to do the whole Branton rant on season 2 is just going to be John just Mayer John Mayer rant let's yeah. not go into that because no. there is a John Mayer f- um, focused quiz towards the end of this segment before we dive uh, into news the only thing that I know about John Mayer the only song that I know is um, the one that people would play in the shop all the time and I only know the beginning because it goes squidoo and then there's like another bit. I mean, that's basically every sort of like yeah. slow R&B song ever. Yeah. Squ- I can't have a go. He it is, goes. He is the Ipswich of musicians. Anyway, let's not get too heavy into John Mayer because there is, there will be a, a Mayer focused quiz uh, coming down the pipe, uh, probably in the next 10, 15 minutes. Oh, wonderful. Um, but yes, yeah, so the Saturday, the Saturday was really good. Yeah. So yeah, so, uh, so my band played, we opened, Polymath opened and, uh, then um, Dorje, which is uh, Rob Chappers and Ribia Massad's band, uh, they played. And then Terra Melos, uh, which is Nick Reinhardt's band. So that was that was incredible. And we got to hang out with him quite a lot. I really, really enjoyed that. And then This Will Destroy You headline. So, you know, sort of like big wall of soundy post-rock to, to sort of finish the night. But I thought all the music was great. It was absolutely packed. Like, I bet there's uh, one band that wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, I think there was. But there was a. It was like a. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know you did. Um, there was like it, it was like sold out a thousand cat venue. Really, which is really really good. Um, I we, didn't. I didn't get there in time to see you. No, so you did. It was nine hundred ninety-nine. Oh, you had such a wonderful, wonderfully lame excuse. The well, old, I mean, I was, just, I was just running late. Yeah. Um, this, this is all it came down to. I went to the Natural History Museum. You were in yeah. London. Yeah. 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 We, we stayed at a hotel together the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went into London and I went and met my girlfriend and we went, we had a really nice day. We went to the Natural History Museum and then we went out for some dinner and then I just, I just lost track of time and I just, <laughs> and you went on early. Yeah, we did go on a, a little early, yeah. Before well, doors, so I would like, get this out of the way. <laughs> yeah, we, but, we, yeah, we were on but like what I'm trying to say is there was like, there was 
it wasn't just you know hold your horses <laughs> it wasn't sold out when you were playing yeah right okay just there was Fine. one person at off. least one person <laughs> but yeah it was really good i thought matt did an excellent job the bands were all like great and i thought it was a really good showcase of all the gear that was there i mean on you know on a little side we were also raising money for a, a friend of ours who's got like a brain tumor thing and we raised like 450 quid for that because i did a little I, I spoke about it during the set and people were very very generous afterwards so that was really cool so yeah. uh yeah, I, I think Matt did an excellent job. It was an excellent showcase. What a wonderful event. Uh, and it's still going on now. I'm going back up there on Saturday. So if you want to catch Joey B stumbling around the museum part, yeah. then... Uh, I think, yeah, I think Katie Tunce was doing a thing up there. So I'm going oh. go up and see some looping on Saturday. Nice. That's going to be cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's going to be great. So part of this weekend, I guess, has been that Nick Reinhardt has been uh, in town, um, primarily for this uh, the Boss event, but also to do some stuff mm-hmm. um, at your local neighbourhood guitar shop, uh, the GAK. Um, Joe B, what did this, uh, what did this involve? Um, where are we? Oh, yeah, Nick Reinhardt. Yeah, so uh, it was... <laughs> Hello? <laughs> did you just have a meltdown? Yeah, a little, a little. I'm still recovering. I've, I, I, I drank... Pretty, it was a event. Solidly. It was an event that uh, that Joe put together. Um, that oh, we're, talking, worked, about that. we're oh, yeah. talking about that. It was an event that Joe put together that worked out really well because uh, I'm taking over now because it's a Fender related event. Right, yeah, okay. Um, let, let a professional speak Nick, about it. Nick Reinhardt was uh, <laughs> kind of the face of the Mustang GT release, yep. which Fender released earlier this year, and uh, it just worked out really well because um, as Coincidentally, whilst Nick was over, uh, Rick Hines, who is um, the Fender amp specialist who's based in the US, also happened to be over the same week. So Joe was able to uh, get the perfect storm together and both Nick and Rick were in the uh, in, in GAC at the same time. And uh, it was really cool. And we got a little bit of a backstory behind um, what went on in the production of the amp like i thought was really interesting so rick and the team built the amp and then basically went to nick and went here you go mate try and break this because they wanted it to be an amp that pedal people could use and get behind and uh you know apparently it took nick about half an hour to break it okay nice um because what he did was uh, he wanted to know what would happen if you put five um, like ring mods? Uh, no, it was pitch shifters. Pitch shifters. He, he wanted to know to if you could put how many pitch shifters, how many he pitch could put shifters in a row. you could stack. And he got to five, and then the amp started to make a horrible feedback sound. And apparently, looking to see how many pitch shifters you can put on an amp isn't something that people generally. Look to test. Yeah, I guess. Weirdly, um, but yeah, he. Uh, so they, you know, they got around that problem. There was a few other things that uh, that Nick helped him out with, and it was really cool. Just getting a bit of a backstory behind that whole thing, and then they had a bit of a jam. And Nick is a very, very weird guitar player who likes really weird sounds, and Rick is more of a kind of conventional. I actually thought player. that worked really well because they were able yeah. to do a bit of both. They were, like Rick was able to be there for for the people who wanted a good sound. <laughs> who wanted to amp. hear what the amp sounded like. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, if if you wanted to hear what the amp sounded like, it was great because Rick yeah. Rick put on some like tasteful reverb and sort of a nice like slightly breaking up sort of Princeton style sound and it, and he played some tasteful blues and that was great and it really showcased how nice the amp can sound and how well the amp can imitate sort of a valve yeah. amp and then you had nick there who and what i thought was really cool is nick was uh, because he he had his his mobile synced with the with the amp he was able to like download his his tones that he was using the night before at the gig okay and was able to like show like one of his weird pitch shift tremoloed sort of sound effects that you know he uses in in the actual sort of Terra Mellis. Is he using those amps live? Then? No, he's not using them live, but it was like, you know, he just, he, he, like, co- he called up a thing that was a mix and, and he played a, a very well-known part from like a Terra Mellis right, track okay. that has those effects on it and it sounded like, you know. So he'd recreated his live stuff exactly, in the GT software. Exactly. And it was cool, like Nick was sort of looking at other artist patches, like there's a Grimes one on there at the moment, you know, Grimes? Sure. No, you don't, do you? No. Okay, so... I do know who she is, yeah, actually, yeah. fine. So, you know, even she designed, like, a patch, which was, like, a more sort of a textural sort of soundscape thing than, you know, something to help you playing. But Nick, like, 
called that up and then was like, right, let's look at what Grimes made because you can then go into the patch and see how they've built it and was going through everything. So it was, it was great to, for Nick to go into so much detail and really to, to demonstrate how much detail you can go into. You can be a pedal nerd with this amp, yeah. which costs less than 200 pounds. Uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I did this event to get Nick Reinhardt into the shop. I did not care about a sub two hundred pound practice. Amp. Really, you've never expressed that opinion before, <laughs> but it was really, really good. Okay, interesting, interesting. So, um, plenty of people came yeah. to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I almost didn't hire enough chairs, so it was, uh, it, it was great. It was it, the shop was packed out. That was fantastic. I was really, really hungover, and I hadn't had enough sleep, so I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure it probably was. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. So some other things to uh, kind of talk about this week. Brand new video up on the Guitar Nerds channel. The uh, weirdest pedals you can buy right now. Um, you and Matty did this in the form of a kind of Guitar Nerd show. Plugged mm. in some pedals. What did you plug in? Uh, so yeah, there were we we were looking through our massive pedal collection. We were thinking of like how can we get a few together. Like what what sort of things do we have? We were trying to put them all into like oh here are all the reverbs we have here are all the delays and there yeah. were like a few things that were just outside of everything and we decided to put those all together in one video so we had uh, from australia we had Medor uh electronics um their hurt circuit which is a fuzz uh, which sounds conventional but um the fuzz has like a like this weird tunable oscillation so you can like it, it will give you a uh, like a high-pitched beep okay. on a rotary control that you can move the the pitch, but also somehow, and I don't know how this works, it also responds to your volume. So when you have that engaged, rather than your volume turning the signal up and down, it recognises that the signal is either, that the volume is to it is getting louder or, or more quiet, and it changes the pitch either up or down. Okay. So you have Yeah, like, so the pitch is just controlling the... The volume, the volume controlling, controlling the, pitch. the pitch, basically. Yeah, which is crazy, which is amazing. So what? Just, when you turn the volume down, down, the pitch drops. It doesn't. The volume does not drop, but the pitch drops. That doesn't wait. That doesn't make sense. The well, volume has to drop. It does not because you're if you're turn well, you turn the volume down on your guitar. When you turn it off, it makes a difference, but it's like it's compensating. Hang on, you you turn the volume down on your guitar. Yes, and so the. And but as when you, you do that, you're limiting the signal that's coming out of your guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And the volume stays the same on I the I don't know how it does it, but it does it. I, I don't have no, you, I've no clue. I don't understand. Watch, watch Matt Knight do it in the video. Watch him move the it's, volume It's not control. the tone. It's the volume. 100% it's the volume. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like I've got to watch a Guitarno's video for yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I did ask Matt how it, really. it was possible, and he replied to me, magic. In okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that was really cool. I really loved the Hurt Circuit. It's like a super weird, like super gated, kind of like unusable fuzz. Okay. Um, it was great. Like I saw some of the comments, people being like, oh, you know, this isn't this the fuzz doesn't sound great. And I was like, well, you, you're probably thinking of like old school fuzz. This is a very, very new school thing, yeah. I think, you know. It's just people not getting it. It was a great tool. Um, then we also had the Walrus Audio. Walrus Audio? Wal it's Walrus Audio. Yeah, Walrus company. Audio. Yeah. Walrus Audio, the uh, Luminary, um, which was like uh, in the vein of sort of um, Electro Harmonics uh, recent foray into sort of organ-like things. So it was like a multi-pitch-based thing. So it allowed you to bring in like six different pitches and create a... Yeah, it's like a... a, a it's like the pog basically isn't it yeah that it's like a it's it's a way more complicated yeah. pog um that allowed you to do some really super cool super interesting and broad things with it so that was really super cool um and uh and the last one was i guess you can't do weird effects without talking about earthquaker yeah and um i think you know if if the data corruptor had come out at the time we were doing this we'd have put the data corruptor in there but uh, this was the transmitter, which is their reverb. And the reason we chose to do the transmitter is because it's reverb so super topical at the moment. Like, you know, Strymon have made people really care about reverb and certainly Boss, you know, as well, releasing their RV500s. It's a very topical, like high quality reverb. It's what everyone wants, but it's also become very, very conventional. Yeah. Everyone's trying to make the reverb sound exactly the same. And this was 
you could they could almost have not called it a reverb they could have called it I don't know, like a soundscape device, because you have like a. That's kind of all their pedals, though. Isn't yeah, it? Every, I guess every so. single one could be a soundscape. I guess device. so. I guess so. But it's um, it's got like a um, an uh, an expression out for you to control the filter, which brings like a sort of a washed pitch or like almost a phase sound that you can control manually over the top of the reverb. Okay. Which sounds so bizarre, doesn't it? And that was the whole idea of this video, was we were picking three things that were absolutely bonkers. And to be honest, it was partially because we wanted to put them all together and see what we could make from them, which, yeah. we, which we do in the video. But yeah, they were great. Actually, um, I think this is since the last podcast. Had I met Jamie Stillman on the no, last podcast? No, that is since so, the last... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie Stillman, the guy who uh, owns and runs um, Earthquaker Devices, came down to... Um, came down to GAK the the other day so anywhere I, else sorry did he go anywhere else no oh okay <laughs> um i if he did um you don't it care. was probably somewhere completely sh- not very good oh okay interesting mm. somewhere really overrated uh, but no he was uh, he was great um yeah he came down and we had a bit of a chat about uh, all his all his pedals which is funny because him and him and nick know each other quite well him nick and juan Aldret, um play in a um an improvisational band for earthquaker day which is a yearly yeah, they do, celebration they do like a yeah like a little convention don't they basically yeah and and yeah nick juan and uh jamie stillman plays drums for them they play like uh, like improvisational sort of soundscapes at earthquaker day which is super cool um no one's ever filmed any of it so no one's seen they're not it. allowed yeah whatever so but that was really cool sort of meeting jamie stillman and talking about all the weird pedals that you know he's done over the years and why he does what he does and what's led him to sort of do what he does yes cool cool good stuff um before we move on to this week's news um there is something that we should talk about joe branton today on facebook you put up some some beef with a certain guitar player <laughs> who we've mentioned a couple times already this episode, oh. Mr. John Mayer. Oh, God. I tell you, it's because I, I had to do nothing but listen to people talk about John Mayer at this boss event because Zane Carney was there, uh, who used to be John Mayer's And th- this has inspired some... Um... And then it was on today in my office, and I was just like, this is, this is awful. This is awful. <laughs> Like I think I got stuck in a conversation at the boss thing with Mary Spender and Zane Carney about John Mayer. Who both love John Mayer. Yeah, and oh, I was just I was looking for some rope by the end. It was it was horrible. So, um inspired by your rant, I went to go and listen to some listen to some John Mayer, which I've not done much of. And I was assumed because all the stuff I've heard of of his, I've kind of I think it's been in like demo videos or like here's a video about his Fender Strat or whatever and it's always kind of bluesy traditionally bluesy I didn't realise like how easy listening John Mayer actually is it's like Muzak it's like my mum would listen to that you know like pop middle of the road pop Um, so do you not like music John Mayer's for you what we've uh, our listenership has just dropped by maybe 50% (laughs) great perfect I don't I don't I've I've never listened to him other than hearing people play him, that's, I don't know what he sounds like. Well, that's perfect. He did that body wonderland thing. You know, it sounds like a Radox advert, but it's apparently a natural song. The song's called Your Body is a Wonderland. Okay. So, what I've devised is a game called, that I'm tentatively calling, Mayer or M.O.R. What? <laughs> <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. Mayer... Or right. more, more. What is more? What is, what is more? Middle of the road. Oh, middle of the road. M O R. Middle of the road. Mayor or more? That's motto. M O R is M O R. So genre. M O R is a genre. Yeah, mid, middle yeah, of the yeah. road, like the Eagles and stuff M-O- like that. M O R and A O R. Or more importantly, ASMR. And ASMR. I'm taking it in the British sense of let's say people like Desiree or Gabrielle. Um, and I noticed the similarity between Mr. Mayer's lyrics and those of, let's say, for example, Gabrielle, um, in that they're pretty lightweight, kind of meaningless, and are very middle of the road. So what I have devised is a short game called Mayer 
or M-O-R um, where basically I've got six sets of lyrics and you have to tell me is this a John Mayer song or is this from the canon of think about 90s middle of the road okay alright I'm ready so the first one uh, who's going to go first uh Wait, in fact, you can you can both say whether we you buzz think, in. You no, you can both say whether you think this is John okay. Mayer or someone from the genre of M O R. So, someday I'll fly. Someday I'll soar. Someday I'll be so damn much more. Cause I'm bigger than my body. Body gives me credit for. Cause I'm bigger than my body now. Is that Mayer or more? That that can't be a John Mayer lyric. Yeah, I don't, no, I I, don't I think, think that's a, I think that's a. I'm I think bigger that's, than my body gives me. No, I don't. No, I think no, that's a that's a that's a nineties pop song. Unfortunately, you're both wrong. That is bigger <laughs> than my body by John Mayer. No, that, <laughs> okay. that sounds like a Christine Aguilera lyric. Moving on, he left you black and blue without a word of explanation, and he took your love for granted, and he left you high and dry. But you know, someday. When you'll wonder what what you see in him anyway, when that day arrives, we'll live on. Jesus Christ, that is some of it. It sounds the quite dark. Wettest. That sounds well. That doesn't. That doesn't sound. That's, that's one of the more weighty ones of the. Uh, that sounds. The that sounds like a song right. about like domestic abuse. That doesn't right, sound. I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, he seems like that sort of guy. I'm gonna go mayor. <laughs> Joe's going mayor. Um, well, by that you mean someone who would sing about this sort of issue. Yeah. Yes, that's what you meant. Right, good. Um, I, um, no, I, uh, no, I don't think that's John Mayer. That lyric is the Lighthouse Family Ocean Drive by what? the, the really? Lighthouse Family. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Okay. Next right. up, number three. That I tell you what. Okay, that's a good song. That is a good song. Ocean Drive is a great right. song. Great, I've never heard it. Ocean Drive. All right, next one. Number three. No, I. Sometimes, so true. Sometimes the sun's gonna shine over everything that you do. Oh God! Why N- am I here? Number three. Sometimes the a- sky. Sh- shut up. Sometimes so blue. Sometimes I get to thinking while you are far away, just how much I miss you and how time ticks away. So sad when we are fighting. Too much tension. Too much hate. Some- sometimes I need reminding Maya. before it gets too late. Just one moment in my day. Take me up to a place so far in your heavenly space. Is that Maya or Maya? That has to be Maya because that that's so wet. It's exactly the sort of lightweight. It's uh, quite. Is, we've got a clean rating on this podcast. Rhyme, it's rhyme lightweight music. There's a lot oh, of rhyming. God. There's a lot of rhyming. I can't imagine being as pointless as this man. Joe Branton, you're saying. <laughs> you're saying Maya, uh, Jay? I think I'm going to say John Mayer as well. That song was actually one night, oh, <laughs> one night in heaven by, oh, by M, M people. people. <laughs> <laughs> I saw M people. I've seen M people twice on two consecutive days. Right. Um, when this is a very weird story. I was uh, probably tw- tw- just over 20 years ago. Um, we, my family went on holiday to the Alton Towers Hotel for a weekend and my parents booked it like a year in advance and in the run up to it uh, they got a phone call from Alton Towers being like oh someone's actually booked out the entire um, the entire park for a weekend you guys can still be there but just know there's going to be it's a bit corporate there'll be some bands playing and stuff you know who it was it was BT because yeah. your dad was my there my dad was there and yeah. one of our other mates yeah I do, I do know that yeah oh, where was that um, and yeah it turned out that the, the entertainment that they had the light entertainment was M people yes. status quo played madness played I saw nice. I saw them two days running it was great number four <laughs> now if we had the power to bring our neighbours home from war they would have never missed a Christmas, no more ribbons on their door. And when you trust your television, what you get is what you got. Because when they own the information, oh, they can bend it all they want. Uh, that can't be Mayer. Is, is that Mayer or more? It can't be Mayer because that, that, the finish of that lyric is almost left wing. Is it, <laughs> is it, is it Mayer or more? And more. Jay Cross? Uh, I'm going to go with John Mayer. Jay Cross, you're correct. That is John Mayer. That is Waiting for the World to Change. Or sorry, Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer. Let's do number five. All right. 
Everybody wants to know the truth. In my arms is the only proof. (laughs) (laughs) I've hidden my heart behind the bedroom door. Now it's open. I can't do no more. Is that mayo or more? I've hidden my heart behind the bedroom door. Why is he hidden it now? There? It's open. I can't do no more. Yeah, he's opened that the door. He's saying, sense. "Come in." But the door, but, 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 it's, but it's behind it's the behind door. The door. Yeah, but he's he's got it. a severed heart behind <laughs> the door. What he's saying is, his heart is in the bedroom. Yeah, the door's open. Come on in. What she's gonna? Or is it a heat? he? Who knows? Oh, oh, Who knows? Oh, <laughs> I think that's John Mayer. I think he slipped it there. <laughs> yeah, fine. It's John Mayer. So you're going Mayer. You're going Mayer. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh. that is Would I lie to you, baby? Oh. Would I lie to you? Okay. By Charles and Eddie. Fair right, last one, number six. All right. Something about the way you, the hair falls in your face. <laughs> I love the shape you take when crawling towards the pillowcase. Oh, my, oh my God. You tell me where Christ. to go, and though I might leave to find it, I'll never let your head, your head hit the bed without my hand behind it. <laughs> So rank. I really don't want this to be Mayor because I'm, I'm, I'm going to hate him more. Oh, please don't. I'm going to go more because I don't want this to be John Mayer. <laughs> it's John Mayer. Oh, God. That's from your buddy, Who's Is It Wonderland. Now, I wasn't keeping score. I wasn't this? keeping score because that was all just a bit of fun. But I think we've all learned that John, John Mayer, Mayer is awful. Is quite a creepy man. Human being. Let's dive headfirst into a big old barrel of. Question. <laughs> That's the news. News. (laughs) (laughs) News. Um, Let me bring up the news. It's on a different. Okay, so the news. First off, I'm going first off. Okay, do it. Slash has got uh, a new signature model. Topical, topical guitarist Slash. This is Gibson. (laughs) The the latest Gibson. uh, What's he called now? An ambassador for the brand or something. That was going to be part of the news. Of course, last year he was made the international. That was was this year. Oh, earlier this year he was made Gibson's international. Uh, international uh, brand ambassador which is wonderful and to celebrate um, do you think if they've got him on the on the payroll they don't have to pay him as much when they make a guitar yeah, maybe, for him? <laughs> maybe but um, this is actually quite cool because uh, for the- as a person with a very deep voice I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. First time kind of ever, Slash has got a guitar that's not a Les Paul. Is it the first time ever? Um, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, someone was asking in the Facebook group earlier if we could do a deep dive, like I some of the other that. podcasts. Do pick a real specific topic and do a deep dive. And I was like, well, that implies that we actually know something that we're talking about. <laughs> but actually, what we're, really, what we're really good at is saying things that we don't know with a lot of authority. <laughs> Conviction. Yeah, that's <laughs> anyway, this is cool. So Slash has got, um, Slash has got Firebird. Which, that I th- this is pretty cool. Like, Slash has always been a Les Paul guy. I guess, you know, the only other signature models I'm aware of that he had were those, the, the Epiphone, the Les Paul... They weren't even juniors, were they? What what were they? Oh, oh the outfit. The, oh, yeah, the Slash the outfit. Yeah. They were just like, and yeah, the, they were um, specials. The, the, I mean, he's also had pedals and amps and stuff. Yeah, I But know, if you're talking about guitars... I am talking about guitars. But okay. these are quite cool. So he's got two um, custom shop signature model Firebirds. Um, now they are going to be super high end and super rare, so I think they're a, they're a, they're two two different finishes, and they're only making twenty five of each. Seven and a half thousand dollars. Well, seven and a half, well seven 
$1,700 for the more expensive, which is a um, a, a relict, lightly relict trans white. And uh, it looks amazing. So $6,200 for a a trans black, which I, looks terrible. It looks it's like a PRS. So, yeah, the trans black is is it, for listeners. The trans black is like really like you know that dentisty premium. Um, quilted top thing that PRS go for that's what the black one is it's like really uh, yeah but it's got that don't play this the white one the white one looks fantastic yeah light relict like it's it's a trans white so it's kind of like a bit like Olympic white for Fender it's a slightly off white it it looks fantastic and he's got because he already has his own um, signature set of Seymour Duncan humbuckers that go in his go in his Les Paul. So it's got those those pickups in. So same pickups, you know, same um, same switching options that that you would get in a Les Paul. I guess that's no different from a Firebird anyway. But yeah, the lightly relic trans white or the very very unrelict dentisty trans black, hugely expensive, super rare, but actually really nice guitars. Like yeah, more yeah. than anything, like I don't really care about Slash or his playing style, but these are great guitars if if like uh if gibson announced like a tra- a relict trans white firebird you'd be like yes i'd be like yes this is great so you you if, you, if you're not into slash i guess you'd almost overlook it but don't this is a fantastic looking guitar yeah yeah again you know and we've talked about it you know they're a lot of money but they are clearly a collector's thing um and like a you know a high-end custom shop thing yeah yeah absolutely super cool so check them out obviously we talked a bit about the boss 40th anniversary celebrations but there have also been two new products to uh to join in the uh the fun um first up the uh jb2 yeah the the uh the angry driver yeah which in our video i realized i called it the angry charlie Oh, the angry no, Charlie the angry is Charlie's the, JHS the JHS I know, yeah. and I say, "I'm the new boss, Angry Charlie," which is a combination of a boss blues driver and a JHS Angry Charlie. Oh, um, very good. You know, I've uh, yeah, I'm after. I actually, I just, I just, I shouldn't be saying this. I actually messed it up. I was going to make a funny joke and call it the baby driver uh, after like that, that film. movie. Yeah, uh, but I, I got confused. I couldn't remember which one was the right one. And, and I said Angry Driver, thinking, ha, 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 that's the name angry of the film. Dri- wasn't the name of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The name of the pe- anyway, it doesn't matter. But there matter. is a movie called Drive Angry. There is Drive Angry. Is that a Nick Cage movie? I think it might be, actually. <laughs> Did Matt Knight name this product? He loves <laughs> Nick Cage. <laughs> he love he Nick. was like, yeah, we're calling it Angry Driver. Um, yeah, so this is a... Um, a, uh, a, a a combination, no, a collaboration pedal between JHS and uh, Boss, uh, as Mark says, um, and it's, it looks really interesting. So you've got um, concentric uh, pots for th- for the three main controls, which are level, tone, and drive, and then you've got a fourth control, which allows you to switch between the different modes of the pedal. Um, and the way that it's set up is very interesting. And I was talking to one of the guys from Boss uh, about this. Um, on the evening and just about how it's all how it all works so you can have either the jhs or the the boss side on their own you can then have the jhs into the boss or the boss into the jhs you can then have um how many modes is that i've lost count wait so that that four four was that four that was four and then you've also got um parallel mode that's it. Yeah, there's five modes, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, five modes. So, so one, one no, is six mode. What the hell? Is so there's there's two different series modes. Yeah, and then yeah, you can so run. yeah, so one. So hang on. So you, so you can run just the angry, just ang- the angry, angry Charlie, driver. just the just blues, blues driver, driver, the modified blues driver, the blues driver into the angry Charlie, yeah. the, the angry Charlie, Charlie into, into the blues driver, and then parallel, and then parallel. My, that's five. My my favorite one is being able to switch. So there's a mode where the pedal doesn't switch off. So uh, instead, you get a blue or a red LED. This will be the other mode. Oh, that's the other and, mode. Yeah, and you can you can have one or the other, but you uh, can't turn okay. it off, which is great because what we were doing was like setting the blues driver up as like a preamp, like low yeah. gain, and then being able to switch into the angry Charlie, right. like as a big fat drive. So you can it, see, you but could what, use it like as a as a, a preamp and drive pedal yeah. in one. I, gotcha. I, think I mean, actually, I, I think the parallel mode is the most interesting because what you've got there is is you've got the two drives running concurrently you're not stacking you're not going one into the other yeah you're you're running them at the same time and then combining that sound at the end and myself and and uh mark harley who is a product specialist at boss 
were trying to think of anything else that does that. And I couldn't think of anything else where you get two sounds that run side by side as opposed to one into the other. Oh, there's there's plenty of drive pedals that do that. Are there? Yeah. I, that just, have, that have... I can't name anything off the top of my head. I'll tell you what, one that did it um, was that... Um, what was the name of that green pedal we had? The G777. Oh, no. The... Um, Green Child. Green Child had exactly yeah. that. Yeah, did it? Yeah. Um, uh, there are quite a few drive pedals that will do that. Okay. Um, but obviously it's the first boss product that will do it. Yeah, so, that's weird. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything at the time. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was. I thought it was quite neat. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to you know this coupled with the guitar that Joe's about to talk about. Um, I think it's interesting that Boss are doing you know or Roland are doing a. They're going down the route of collaborations. Yeah, it's. Um, it was. Matt didn't tell any of us. No, no, no um, we had no idea. It was I only found out when it was on like Premier Guitar or whatever or Facebook. I um it was at Matt's house when we were filming the videos. Oh yeah, so you've been keeping a little well, only because I opened a box, like a boss box, because I was like seeing what was in the collection. And you're so like, I was like, oh. oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Did you tell him that you saw it? Yeah, yeah, he had to tell me about right, it. Right, okay. Then he made me promise not to say anything. Didn't even tell us. Unbelievable. No. Supposed to be your mate. Sorry. Unbelievable. So there was a Strandberg, uh, and talking about collaborations, yeah. a Strandberg guitar um, producing collaboration with Boss. What's well, the deal? That's cool. Well, it's, of course, it's not the first, the second, or even the third or fourth time that Boss have done collaborations uh, for on guitars, but... Um, really? What are the other options? Well, other I don't ones? know. We saw them all at the museum. Yeah, the no, end. but they were they were branded as just Boss, though. No, no, no there was the Fender ones. Yeah, there's oh, that's the one true. that there there was like GHS. That's true. That yeah. is true, actually. So eat stuff uh, the uh, oh dear he's got a bit of a he's got those, a little bit of a short fuse uh, today those other he? ones were Roland the only other t- guitar I can think of is the mm-hmm. um, the Fender Strat okay do you feel better that you're right now uh, yeah okay. I, I'm always right um, the uh, the Strandberg yeah was super cool so of of course the last collaboration we have you're absolutely right they, they, they were all Roland ones so this is the first Boss branded collaboration but again, they've gone kind of super niche rather than sort of the stuff we'd seen before from Rodham where they're partnering with Fender. Um, they've gone for Strandberg, like super um, boutique, yeah. very, very modern, very unique um, company. Where are Strandberg from? They're like... Uh, they're German, aren't they? Uh, no, I think they are... I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so so it's the Bowden model, which is the the most popular, really kind of the only Strandberg model. The the other models are just sort of they have scratch plates rather than being yeah. re-mounted, so they have a different name. This is the Strandberg body shape. So it's a headless, fan fretted, super small, super lightweight, um, very ergonomically designed guitar. The Strandberg Bowden. Um, what what I really like about Strandbergs, which I think ma- Strandbergs, which makes them really unique, is the neck profile at the back, which is like a square basically yeah, trapeze rectangle it's it's square yeah it has sharp edges to the back the idea being to keep your thumb in perfect form as you uh, as you sail up and down the neck so it's it's also not straight it's angled so that that square part moves across the neck this is hard to it's describe. asymmetrical i think yeah. is what you're describing yeah but it's a totally cool guitar so um this is their collaboration it's a 4000 pound instrument and they're not making a lot of them, so this is, you know, this is supposed to be super. But then Strandbergs are usually that kind of money, aren't That's they? That's right. Then? Yeah. Well, yes, they are for their for their extreme high end. Strandberg have recently introduced like factory line guitars, which are like two, one eight, one six, yeah. that sort of thing. But yes, for their custom shop, this isn't, you know, this isn't unheard of. Endure neck. That's what the the neck profile is called. Exactly. Uh, it's durable. I I would imagine so. But um. What's cool is they've they've got these new designed like boss modeling humbuckers. So these the humbuckers can do, you know, single coil humbucking. Watch the video with Alex Hutchins because he demonstrates them really well because they also do things like bass, sitar, acoustic, and like synth tone. So all the stuff that Roland have been doing for a while in their like GR three hundred, but uh, it's cool that they're all accessible on the guitar as well via sort of rotary controls which is pretty it must be triggering the synth though surely those sounds aren't built into the guitar uh they're built into the pickups as as far as i'm no it must be that the pickups are then because it's got a gk pickup built in yeah and it must be just triggering the synth you can change patches Mm -hmm. on the guitar on the synth 
which is how it's always worked. I don't think there's anything actually built into the guitar. I might no. be mistaken. So but- I think you are, but I could be proved wrong. So when I sat down with it, which, you know, I was hammered, but yeah. when I sat down <laughs> with a £4,000 guitar, I w- wasn't aware of any pedals going into it other than the Boss JHS thing, and I was going into a little blues cube. When it was doing um, like synthy sounds and stuff. Off of the no, not synth sounds, but I was changing the tunings off of the rotaries. So there's like a, a top mounted rotary where you'd find the rhythm treble yeah. flick switch on a on And a it Gibson. definitely wasn't and attached to the synth. It I just said I I've no idea. I don't <laughs> think so. I think this was plugged just in and I think it was working off of the rotary control there. But what was cool is I was flicking between like the standard tuning, uh a semitone down, drop D and I was going right down to like drop C. Um, I bet you it was plugged into the synth module and you didn't notice, but I'm going to investigate that for next week. Probably. If only Matt was here to um, to tell us. So I, so I think you're, I think you're wrong because it is a V guitar. Um, well, yeah, but that's, I think what they're always, maybe not. I don't know. I need to check. It runs on AA batteries. Has four AA batteries in it. Yeah, maybe that would do it. Maybe they've kind built of like how they uh, how the Variax. Has yeah, maybe got they've built the synth built stuff in. into I mean, the that's what itself. that's what happened with the um, uh, the VG. The uh, ha, I can't remember ha, which way here we are. Was. Here we are. Because onboard f- Boss V Guitar Tech. Boss is famous V Guitar Technologies. Uh, blah 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 I'm not going to read this it's very long but they're on board they're on board okay well interesting there we go yeah I'm sure that's happened before if I remember correctly the um, because there was two Fender ones that came out at the same time yeah there was the GK1 and the VG5 oh and that did have like sitar stuff built in didn't it so here's the cool yeah you're right that that control knob I was talking about is a six position control knob which will allow you standard tuning E flat um, D standard drop D Drop C sharp or drop C. You are right. They've All done this rotary, before, which is really super. Cool. Despite you, those being... are some odd tunings. That doesn't seem like it. Uh, doesn't seem know. like a standard E flat. That's it. Those make sense. D standard. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Y- drop D completely. But I mean, why wouldn't you put like if you've got the option to put stuff on there? Why wouldn't you put say baritone tuning? Ah, oh, that's or, because or Nashville tuning. Now that's because it has also on the five position mode selector switch, position five will give you hybrid sounds, which is uh, a bass um, with which you can add. You can tap in and add a fifth and sixth string as well. So it's an octave down, basically. Yeah, but if it's if it's done with the synth stuff, then it will be. It won't. It'll, it'll be modelled track. Well, well position yeah, yeah. position five is you, you set position five and then you can plug it into the GR three hundred and use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that all makes sense then because yeah, basically what it's doing is what those strats were doing. Plus, you can plug it into the synth for more yeah. sounds as well. I mean, this is all completely pointless us talking about it because they're making like ten of them. Yeah, and they're four grand, so we're never going to yeah. see them. I mean, we got Matty might buy one. I got to buy well, one. Maybe yeah. one's been at Matt's house for ages. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if Matt buys one of those. <laughs> Ridiculous man. Um, let's do one last bit of news. Um, Jay, there is a brand new pedal from Keeley. Do you yeah. want to tell us about it? Yeah. So um, Keeley have announced the uh, Super Fat Mod 16th anniversary. Uh, hand-built germanium edition. That's a really weird anniversary. It's a very strange anniversary. Um, and uh, it, basically, this is just a... Well, I say just. It's a um, an extension to an existing pedal they do, which is the Super Fat Mod, which, if I remember correctly, um, and I, please don't sue me, is a Boss BD2 um, okay. that they modded back in the day, which I think is where the 16th anniversary thing comes from. I think it was one of the first um, Keeley mod pedals was gotcha. the, was was the BD2, um, and what they've done is they've added a uh, a germanium um, transistor in there as well to give it a full um, amp amp in a box, take a drink uh, style uh, styley to it. Um, it looks really good. Um, I've watched a couple of videos. It sounds really good. Um, all the Keeley stuff is always very good. Um, another one of these companies that just keeps plugging away, putting out great stuff, um, churning them out. Basically. Just churning them out. It's 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 cool. Uh, the only thing, the only thing with Keeley is they're kind of like it's almost like they're bringing out too much, so much stuff that the the stuff that they're releasing doesn't get enough 
of a marketing push behind it. And yeah. so a lot of stuff, unless you're doing what we're doing, which is really keeping an eye out, just seems to slip under the net, which is the only thing. But I guess, you know, maybe you don't need to do loads and loads of promotion on these things because you're Robert Keeley and people love your gear. I think in the, they're just going to buy it anyway. In the UK as well, I don't think there's many retailers that have got them. And obviously in the UK retailers tend to do a lot of the marketing for brands yeah i so guess so if you're not in those stores then generally you won't get seen as much as someone who isn't in those stores like yeah. you know earthquaker or yeah whoever smaller brands that are, have got a lot of coverage in stores so so there we go but yeah there we go, another it looks cool great pedal. it looks great i'd like to get my hands on one um i think it yeah great looking pedal is it's gold sparkle you know so obviously what could be better absolutely but uh but yeah so check that out make sure you do excellent should we dive headfirst into a big old Boozy barrel of news. <laughs> You're a ridiculous man. Do it right. Question. There we go. Um, Emma says, hey, nerds, I'm considering branching out into a seven string to expand my playing styles and tackle some more progressive covers. I'm fairly knowledgeable on the old six string bits uh, and bobs, prices, value, etc. Current main guitars, Schecter Hellraiser C1FR, PRS Mark Holcomb SE, just to give you peeps an idea of style, budget, feel and neck preference for my usual kind of guitar, melodic rather than chug. But seven string seems like it might be a different price bracket uh, wise. It's pretty hard to find stuff where I live on the high street uh, to play test. So where is a good place to start brand start brand slash budget wise? Any hidden gems out there I should look at? What's to uh, what's to build quality equivalent of my six strings? Any tips on getting used um, to uh, getting used uh, getting used to sorry extra strings? Not keen on buying something with no resale value if in five years I need to pay rent. So, you kind of need to get into the habit of editing these questions reading, down into yeah. something well, that's a bit more the thing is there's all important information there basically yeah. so she's working to a similar budget and a similar style to a Hellraiser C1 FR uh, and a PRS Mark Holcomb so that gives you your price to start off with seven strings um, she wants something that's more not necessarily just for like the chug Okay. For something a little bit more, more melodic. Um, and it sounds like something that probably needs to be available in stores rather than, you know, some unique boutique custom stuff, I guess. So what are we thinking? What brands are we going to start looking at first? Well, I mean, okay, so there's there's a problem. Like when, when you say sort of looking for melodic stuff and you're looking at seven strings, as soon as someone says melodic, I think, oh, I need to not look at genty stuff. But... Seven strings is such a like a, a gent area. You don't if mean gent as in gentleman. I, you mean degent, de-gent the uh, yes, the music yes. style. Oh, I, I mean sort of it's such a metally area. Now that that shouldn't put you off seven strings. I think they can be used for anything. And actually, I think at uh, the lower price point of seven strings, it's a real. Um, this is a really interesting area because uh, as you move up in price pickups become active high output yeah and that's actually where i think you'd lose loads of tone options um so kind of at the more entry level of um of seven strings there's some really interesting stuff if you're playing a Schecter hellraiser already then Schecter actually operate and i do also think if you're just getting into seven strings whilst like something like a, a mark holcomb is like a, a 900 pound prs i do think maybe on a seven maybe go in a little more entry level and there yeah. are loads of cool entry level stuff at seven strings it's it's difficult to find one badly made um so there, there's some cool stuff you can try actually Schecter do their their c7 deluxe which it finishes away finishes just seem to disappear at the seven string point so you just get black basically or white yes yeah so the the Schecter c7 you have a black or a white option but they're 319 pounds at the moment for for a, a, a seven string Schecter. The the C7 is a really similar body shape to the Hellraiser. So, you know, if you wanted to stick with the same thing, I think they're really cool. Um, Basswood bodies, like passive pickups. It's their uh, it's their Diamond Plus, which actually occurs in their uh, in their six string models in their sort of like their trad style yeah. uh, guitars as well, which is pretty cool. I think they're a really good option. And I actually think Shake to do a great job at the low level price point of really dominating. Um, probably the most affordable thing at the moment is um, Jackson do uh, do a dinky, a seven string dinky. It's two hundred and twenty five pounds. 
I think it looks cool. I think it's probably the best looking option, to be honest, but I really like the look of dinkies. Um, so it's a cool entry level seven string to sort of get involved with. Again, it's it's bass wood, and I think you'll find that a lot at at this sort of price point. Um, but go on. I was just going to say. I mean, I don't think Emma's looking for something super cheap. Cheap. No. I mean, those, those the the Hellraiser and the Hellraiser C1FR and those Mark Holcomb, as you say, they're about a grand each. You know, so we're not looking cheap and cheerful I think Joe what Joe was saying was that you know if you're not 100% sure that you're going to go all in on the seven string thing then why spend a grand you know I I was just saying that I think there were some really good things kind of around there I was only sort of going to give a cursory mention to the dinky because it is so cheap like that's that's not a lot of money like if you think about getting into seven string guitars then I think 225 pounds is an excellent way to sort of start without well you say that that's what I did and I appreciate that this was uh, nearly 20 years ago fif- I would have been 15 nearly so, 20 years ago no not nearly 20 years ago <laughs> 15 years ago okay. yeah because I'm yeah so it would have been about 15 years ago I did that uh-huh. I bought the entry level Ibanez did you um, get a corn monkey I didn't get a corn no 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 RG7321 it was an RG7 no i uh i did want to get a k7 as they were at the time they weren't um individuals they uh of course now have to go uh they can just call it the monkey um because head plays something something else else. i think he plays esp now but um but yeah i i wanted a k7 but they were too much money so i got the uh i got the entry level one and it was not great to be honest they're, they're stay fine in, something like stay not, tune it was and yeah. it just it didn't sound very good and it, it you know and i mean as it happens it probably in the long run was for the best because i didn't go down that style of music um but had it been but the reason i didn't go down been, that style of music is because it wasn't inspiring to play i'd pick it up and it just sounded dreadful by the time i tuned it up by the time i tuned you know down all seven strings the top string was out of tune again imagine if you had done your scar band with that rg7321 that would have been fantastic yeah well, so true. talking about ibanez is there anything on the ibanez well, front? yeah on, on ibanez actually if you want to look further sort of up the price point and i guess we we should uh talk about some of those things the the tastefully named um rg dix 7 mpb dash s bb uh is i completely uh, forgotten about that the does that mean it's in uh sbb will be uh something brown burst it's surreal blue burst oh, okay there actually you go. but but yeah this was a really the dicks series of rgs was a really interesting series of uh ibanez guitars which were uh maple necked and they all had um they all had like a quilt top but then the 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 nature of the cutaways on the front of the body uh, would cut back to the to the bodywood underneath, um, and it, and it always looked really good. These come with like a uh, the Nitro Wizard Seven neck, uh, popular neck profile for Ibanez, and it's like a three piece maple babinga maple um, neck profile. Features wise, they're totally cool. Like they come with Damasio Fusion Edge um, humbuckers in the neck and bridge. Like the maple neck, the finish looks remarkable. And they're like seven hundred and fifty pounds. I really think they're like for that sort of money. We could easily easily be saying this guitar's eighteen hundred quid, and yeah. I would be listing the same features. So I think Ibanez have done a really good job. If you want something a bit more traditional, which I don't know if she does. Well, before you go down that route, I think actually Ibanez do a whole load of um, very cool sin- signature models for around that that sort of money. Um, there's the uh, the Jake Bowen, who's the uh, geezer from Periphery. Oh yeah, um, he's got a very cool, quite tasteful looking um, seven string. That is cool. It, yeah, isn't it? So it's um, it's a, a matte black finish, but with um, gold. And I normally shy away from anything. But gold. it's like old gold. Yeah, it's mm. like a dull gold uh, Damasio pickups and a gold logo. Um, and it's a up, uh, a reverse headstock. I think that looks that looks really cool. That's uh, nine hundred quid. Um, there's the um, there's a Steve Vai for just over eleven hundred quid that you know is maybe a bit more traditional looking. You've got the Floyd um, green pickups, so not for everyone. That's uh, like the but, entry level universe model. Yeah, and and again, Damasio Damasio plays on there, and same uh, Wizard Seven neck on that. And um, and the aforementioned monkey, of course, 
has got a um, a very cool and again fairly conservative looking um, HS combination, um, but it comes tuned uh, to A, you know, Course. so you can play blind <laughs> whenever you want to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, th- but yeah, I think there's some there's some good. Some there is a lot on the market that's really cool, yeah. and I think it, you know that it. It, Emma mentioned that uh, there needed to be things that that she could play on on the high street, and I think we've we've kept it within pretty yeah. major brands here. ESP actually do their their version of the Tele, which is the TE series for them. They do a, a seven string version of that. In they a, do, in a very yeah. That, those look really wine. good. Yeah, exactly. I like those yeah. because they're just a bit more tasteful, a bit less sort of all out metal. I and if you want if, to go down that route as well, there's a Charvel Pro mod. Um, there is, yeah, 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 seven string again, just cool. Um, fairly simple looking looks you that's, know looks, looks unsurprisingly, like a telly unsurprisingly that's the one that I would go for out of that lot what, because the one that looks it looks like, like a telly, a telly. Yeah. but yeah, I, yeah. I think if Emma's got you know like a PRS and the Schecter already she's maybe looking to get something different that might be an I option th- I think it's cool and it's not a load of money they're you know sub uh, sub 800 quid those Charvel guitars are wicked as yeah. well since they bought them back the quality's been very high yeah. for the price you pay Think um yeah, nice little uh, little guitar. How much are they? Uh eight hundred pounds. Nice. Call split in the uh call split in the pickups. That's the thing, it's not gonna be too chuggy either because it's you know it's uh, passive pickups. Actually it's it's quite interesting. So you've got a Seaman du- Seymour Duncan Nazgul. <laughs> you right? You're right, Joe. You've got a Seymour Duncan Nazgul uh and a Sentient, but the yeah, um they're both call splittable, which I think is really nice. So, you know, you can probably get that really Sweet Telecaster twang right out of the single coil of your Seymour Duncan Nazgul. Stop saying Seymour, you've broken Joe's brain. I don't know. There we go. Um, so with that, we are up at time. I hope that answers the question, Emma. That's um, We don't normally delve into the metal stuff, and actually that's been a bit of an eye-opener, even though we've only talked about it for five, ten minutes. Um, I kind of forgot, and those Charvel Primots hadn't even seen that they existed. Yeah. And they're the best of the bunch. I reckon. Um, we are going to go over and do our extra half an hour of Patreon content. We asked you to vote in the Facebook group what you wanted us to talk about and uh, inspired by the Boss and JHS collaboration, we are going to do dream pedal collaborations over on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds where from as little as $1 a month you can support the Guitar Nerds podcast. $5 a month gets you the extra half an hour and like I said this week we are discussing dream pedal collaborations um, but you also get access to every extra half an hour that we've ever done we've ever done we've every done we've every done plus the uh, mini series that we've done Joe Branton's rant on plus all the interviews as well interviews ranging from well we've did um, we did the uh, founder of line six right through to uh, the internet's own Mary Spender, right through to uh, the guys behind Earthquake Devices. So lots of stuff to uh, to listen to on there. Um, you can also uh, go in at the $10 a month tier, which means you get your name read out on the main show like this. Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Andy Troy, Steve Merkel, Blair Tom, Scouse Manager, Mark Ross, Teddy Shaw, Danny McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Jack Godfroy, Will Clare, Scott O'Brien, Matt Gwine, Phil Thompson, Roy Anstis, Moo Gravit, Connell Anderson. Ocean Drive. I don't think that was Ocean Drive, I think that was the other one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you did. Lifted. Lifted, it was. It was lifted. <laughs> Lifted, oh, you and I together, baby. Lifted, is this, is this a John Mayer song? Oh, we could be lifted. Are you doing John Mayer? We could be lifted. There we go. You can also join the conversation facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forums. Forum. Lots of stuff. To, <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to that one. Yeah. Lots of stuff to uh, to talk about on there. You can follow us on Twitter at Guitar Nerds, on Instagram at Guitar Nerds. Head over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Guitar Nerds videos. This week going up, we're doing videos every Friday. This week going up is our full tour of the. Unless it's Joe's turn. Unless it's no, Joe's no, no, turn. No, it's not. It's Mark's turn. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. All right, yeah. you've just there totally scared him. Then he <laughs> just turned completely white. Um, yeah, this week uh, the video going up is our full tour of the Boss exhibition. So if you want to see all that weird stuff that we talked about um it's all on there the largest boss and roland collection um in the world it seems or for the guitar stuff i think it was every single it was really good boss and roland guitar product it was very good i think matt did a great job and thank you matt 
Yeah. Um, so join us next week as well because it is Matty's last one before he moves to is Japan. It? He's going to be oh. his last podcast episode and then he's gone for three months basically. So yeah, do join us. It's going to be a big one. I'll be, I think I'll be a bit sad actually not to do see you? him really for really? three months. Really? I was really hoping I don't know, Joe would go. Yeah. Nope. I think when we do the next... I'm a lifer. When we do the next poll, we should be, who would you want to see ejected? Maybe we just run... <laughs> why don't we run this like Big Brother, where every month or so, one of us has to go? Well, how about this? We um, So there's going to be some special guests joining us whilst Matt is away. Um, and maybe at the end, um, once Matt's back, we can run a... We can run two... Um, Two back-to-back polls. One, who's who, your favourite who guest? Oh yeah. And yeah. two, who's what. your least favourite member of Guitar Nerds? And, and why is lo- it Joe Branson? <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally up for this. I'm totally actually up for watching you everyone else being voted off of this podcast except for me. Imagine if it was just all the votes were for you, and then all three of us got zero percent. That which is what would happen. I could just that see, is could, what would happen. That would be horrible. Day eight at the Big Brother house. Joe. Everybody else has left because Joe Brennan is so bloody obnoxious. Joe's gone feral and he is squirting squirty cream into his mouth and running around saying, I'm crazy. That's the sort of thing you do. Joe Brennan is trying to eat the pet, the, the dirt from the plant, potted plants because he thought that it might be hemp. Joe Brennan has pulled one of the chickens out of the nest and has bitten its head off even though he is a vegan. <laughs> With that, we should call it a night. We will see you next week. Join us for Matty's last show before he heads off to Japan. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Cheers, gang. Bye.